This programme was first broadcast on Canterbury's community access radio station Plains FM 96.9 and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Kia ora and welcome to Garden of Sound. I'm your host Ian Turner. Garden of Sound is brought to you by 4YP, supporting community and positive youth development initiatives. You can find out more at 4yp.org. On today's show, Mel Parsons. But before we begin, I'd love for you to subscribe to Garden of Sound. That means you'll get every episode of the show and you'll be supporting local music too. It's as easy as heading to gardenofsound.nz and clicking the subscribe button. Right, Mel Parsons. She grew up near Westport and studied music in one form or another all over New Zealand. She got the travel bug early on and seems to have an affinity for the mountains. Her first album came out in 2007. She's been steadily building her fan base and musical reputation. But how will album number four compare? And what difference has working with Mitchell Froome made to the process? This is the Garden of Sound interview with Mel Parsons on Plains FM 96.9. Mel, can you tell me about uh, your very first memory of music? Well, I have a few. I think um, one of them is in the... In the um, so I grew up on a farm on the west coast, just outside of Westport, um, and I remember being in the farm truck, and um, I think we had, we probably had about three tapes, and one of them was Fleetwood Mac, um, Rumours, I think was the tape, and and I think it was stuck in the in the truck tape, you know, tape deck as old farm trucks often, you know, that often happens in those. Um, yeah, so I remember. I guess I remember that. <laughs> That's one of my early memories. Um, and I suppose another one is, is just listening to mum and dad's records when I was quite small and, you know, playing playing with a record player. And I probably wasn't supposed to, but it was down quite low, so I could. Yeah. Do you remember what kind of records? Yeah, yeah, I do. Yeah, yeah. Cat Stevens. Uh, there was Cat Stevens. There's a few Dire Straits records there. Uh, Billy Joel, Paul Simon. It's funny because all of those artists I still absolutely love. I've loved the whole time and I still really adore them. Going to Fleetwood Mac at least, did you find yourself trying to sort of emulate um, Stevie or Christine? Um, I don't I don't think so. I think, well, not, not consciously anyway. No, I just, I mean, I would probably have sung along, but that's, yeah, I don't remember any, um, no, not at that stage anyway. Yeah. So was the family musical? No, not not well, not really. My mum, my mum can play piano, um, and you know, did a little bit. And we, and all of us actually. So I'm one of four, um, four kids, and we we all had piano lessons, but it, it, we all hated it. Let's be honest, um, as most kids do hate piano lessons, don't they? But for some reason, I it just grabbed me. And even though I hated the lessons, I still there's something about the sound of the piano and the feeling of the sound. I don't know, very that that really caught me quite young, and so I just carried on, and, and no one else did. Did you start writing anything on the piano, even a very basic level? I don't think so, because I I don't think I, it was really a I don't think I sort of knew that that was a thing. Yeah, it wasn't until much later that I started um, 
writing terrible songs on the guitar, really. Yeah, that's where my songwriting kicked off. So there's a bit of piano tuition. Mm-hmm. Um, what made you pick up the guitar? There's a specific moment. It's, I'm glad that you asked that, actually. I'd sort of forgotten. But I I was up, um, I was in a ski hut, actually, uh, in, here in Canterbury. And um, a good friend of mine was sitting on the steps of a in, inside a ski hut. And he was singing... Um, what was it? It was a, a Red Hot Chili Peppers song. I think it was my friends. Anyway, yeah. but um, we were both singing and he was playing the guitar and I thought, I must have a crack at that guitar thing. Yeah. And that was when I was about 14. So when did you get your first guitar? I think there was an old classical guitar that was hanging around at home. I don't know why we had a guitar and no one played it. So, <laughs> But I... Um, I, I didn't have any guitar lessons. I just sort of taught myself a guitar. But pretty early on, Mum could see that I was pretty hooked on it. And so she, I remember we once on a trip to Christchurch, we went to a big fancy music store and I got a, which would, what would have been a pretty budget guitar. But at the time, I thought it was amazing. So acoustic steel string. Is it, yeah, acoustic okay. steel string. Yeah, Do you exactly. remember uh, what sort of make? It was something awful, something awful. I think I feel like I've, um, I feel like I gave it to my little brother at one point. So it's, yeah, I don't know if it's still around or not. So I want to talk about influences or the people that sort of shape the way that you create your your music. Mm-hmm. Is there anyone that particularly sort of stands out as a sort of a guiding light? Yeah, there, there's a lot. I mean, those early. I feel like it's funny because I feel like I. Talk talk about the same people in, in interviews all the time, but it, it's just because that's who I. It's, it's those um, really formative um, years, you know. But when you're a kid, the stuff that I listen to for some reason just really stuck for me. So those, I think those people have always shaped what I, what, the type of songwriter they, that I am, but also what I like to listen to and, and that sort of thing. But I, I think um, you know, down the track, it was people like. Tracy Chapman was a huge influence for me, um, and Sinead O'Connor as well, and um, yeah, people in that, I guess that kind of 90s, 90s singer-songwriter kind of stuff, yeah. Any male artists? Uh, yeah, loads, yeah. So Mark Knopfler was there always. Paul Simon was huge for me, and still is, like I just, he's kind of one of those, he's so timeless and so evocative and... Have you met either of those two? No, never met either of them. No. And I kind of, I'm funny, I sort of, um, I mean, in my mind, I still think that I'm Mark Knopfler and I are going to get married. But um, And what song, I imagine, would he play at the wedding? Oh, I can't, mm. I can't say. Mm. Can't say. <laughs> exactly. No, but I, I, yeah, I think um, those, like Paul Simon in particular is an interesting one because he, he has this way of, I mean, most of his music is, is pretty happy really and which is funny because a lot of most of the music I do like actually is not very happy but he's I don't know it's just so timeless and it just puts you in a certain mood every time you know so yeah is there a track from any of those artists that you just mentioned uh, that you'd like to play right now yeah you can you can brighten up everyone's day and just play um you can call me Al. yeah I've got I mean so it's so cliche isn't it but yeah I love it timeless Down the street, he says, Why am I soft in the middle now? 
Why am I soft in the middle of the rest of my life is so hard I need a photo opportunity, I want a shot of redemption Don't want to end up a cartoon in a cartoon graveyard Bone digger, bone digger, dogs in the moonlight Far away my well-lit door Mr. Beer Belly, Beer Belly, get these mutts away from me, you know I don't find this stuff amusing anymore If you'll be my bodyguard, I can be your long lost pal I can call you Betty, Betty when you call me, you can call me out A man walks down the street, he says, why am I short of attention? Got a short little span of attention and all my nights are so long Where's my wife and family? What if I die here? Who'll be my role model now that my role model is gone, gone? Get ducked back down the alley with some roly-poly little bat-faced girl. All along, along, there were incidents and accidents. There were hints and allegations. If you'll be my bodyguard, I can be your long-lost pal. I can call you Betty, and Betty, when you call me,
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Mel Parsons on Plains FM 96.9. Mel, is a fairly standard question from me. I want to hear about the first gig that you paid some money or perhaps somebody else paid some money for you to get along to. Um, great question. I went to see Supergroove when I was, I think I was about 11, and it was at the, uh, the Westport or uh, the Buller Community Hall. And um, wow. or Westport, I can't remember what it was called. Is the the hall used to be? It was where we played basketball, but they've, you know, it's Westport, so it's sort of multi-purpose um, venue. It's now been turned into a theatre since then. But um, mm. to be honest, I went to that gig because all of my friends were going to that gig. I didn't really know much about Supergroove at the time because I was very, not very not a very cool kid that was up with what was going on. I was very much a farm kid, so you know, at home listening to Fleetwood Mac and um, Die Straight. So yeah, but I, but, but that was that was a cool gig. Is there a Supergroove track that you, you know, particularly sort of sticks uh, with you? Maybe from Traction. I mean, that's I don't know. Oh, this it's a great album. It's yep. a really great. And since in my musical life, you know, I know um, quite a few of those, few of the guys. Yeah. And I mean, brilliant performance from uh, Shayness. Oh and, uh, yeah, and that sitting yeah, yeah. inside my head. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, that's probably the yeah. I mean, that that's probably the one that that sticks for me the most. But um, yeah, well, it's a real marker of that time, isn't it? That's that's the great thing about music. I love that that it kind of it can take you back immediately. You know, just turning something on, it can just it's so much nostalgia. It's amazing. How did the crowd respond to that gig? Um, Was it time to let loose? You know, break can- away from your your farm roots. I can't remember. My memories of it are so hate. I just I remember turning up. I remember the um, I remember the shorts that I was wearing and like the shoes and stuff. And, you know, this is so lame, isn't it? But it's just the, you know, when you're eleven, that those are the thing, and it's you sort of um, you traipse around with your friends. And I think I remember at that time I w- I I wasn't. I think because I hadn't listened to much music, I I remember thinking this music is really heavy, like it's really quite thrashy and quite full on so I remember it being quite loud um especially Scorpio girls coming yeah, in yeah, yeah 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 exactly yeah, yeah yeah that's right yeah and I remember other people knowing all the words and I didn't really know all of the words and you know but so you want a bit of dreams or the chain exactly, or something exactly like yeah 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 <laughs> um obviously you played a played a few gigs throughout your life and you played around a around a, a few places. Mm-hmm. Um, this is the question where I do ask if anything massive has sort of gone wrong on stage while you've been performing, but more about is there anything that you've sort of learnt from uh, any of those um, bad times? Oh, learning all the time. Still learning. <laughs> I've had, yeah, I've had plenty. I've had so many times on stage. I remember when quite early on, when I after I first moved to Auckland, I used to play um, gigs at a little bar called The Temple, on Queen Street, and um, it's apartments now. Um, yeah, anyway, but I remember I'd been given for my birthday uh, this big pedal, that, which had a whole lot of amazing, crazy sort of early 2000s effects on it, and, um, you know, about four different pedals. And, and I sort of, I'd been practicing, practicing, and I thought I had it totally nailed. And of course, I got on stage and I. It just all went, it was awful, it went horribly wrong. And in the end, someone from the audience just came up to the stage and unplugged it for me. And that was, that was, yeah. So I keep meaning to, I keep thinking, oh, I must kind of, 
you know, layer this up and make it more dynamic and things. But I don't know. I'm yeah. Jury's out for me a little bit on that stuff. The songs, I think, is the important thing. Yeah. Tell me about today's charts and the stuff. Lol. <laughs> My feeling is when you talk about the importance of the song, mm. what's happening in terms mm-hmm. of popular music is, is 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 far away. Is there a place for that stuff? Oh, yeah. I mean, I would love to be in the charts. Look, don't get me wrong. Would you like <laughs> to be playing pop music? Though? Oh, yeah. I, lo- I mean, I love, I love pop music. I absolutely love pop music. And I... You know, because I'm a singer-songwriter and, and, you know, a lot of the stuff that I play is quite stripped back. Um, people, so is Taylor Swift. Well, that's right, exactly. I mean, people sort of assume that, you you know, that, that, that I probably wouldn't like hip-hop or, which I love, and or, you know, or pop. But I, I love pop music. I love pop songs. I mean, there's, there's definitely, I mean, there's waves, there's sort of eras and waves of different production stuff that you hear and you think, oh, wow, that's going to, you know next year that's going to sound awful sort of thing. you know it's going to date really quickly whatever but but in a way i don't i don't think that matters i think it's fine i think whatever people are making as long as people are making cool stuff and people are listening to it then that's the main thing i want to talk looking back at a, a young uh mel parsons there anything you want to say to her you know any <laughs> anything to watch out for yes oh my god so much so how long have how long has she got? Um, in a way, I sort of started my career not late, but but later than I probably probably should have. I think because I um, so my first album I think I released when I was twenty six. Yeah, twenty six. So I was recording it when I was twenty five, and I think. Um, up until that point, I mean, I had been, you know, I was traveling overseas and doing those sort of, you know, I was at uni for a few years and buggering around and that sort of thing. But I I think that whole time I knew that I wanted to be a, be a musician, whatever that meant. But also um, I, I assumed that I would be, um, I assumed that someone would come along and pick me up and sign me. And that that was, at that time, that was the, that was kind of the, the pathway that I had seen. And so... I was just, I was literally, I was, you know, I was doing other things, but I was sort of waiting for that. I was, you know, I was sure that that was going to. Did you have the raw material at that point for uh, for that to be a reality? That's a really good question. I'm sure that I didn't. Yeah. I think I wrote some terrible songs around that time. So, or, you know, before that time. So I think it's actually probably quite fortuitous that I didn't, you know. That I wasn't picked up and swept away. And that's probably why, because I didn't have the songs, you know. So at what point did you go, okay, that isn't going to happen? I think I, I just realised I had, um, I suppose, some life events that, that just gave me a bit of a shake-up and realised that I could be waiting for my whole life or I could just make it happen myself or just start heading that way. And I think that's where this um, the kind of independent um, thing came in for me and... and you know, starting a, a a label and releasing stuff myself, which at the time was completely out of necessity because, you know, as I said, no nobody swept in to pick me up and, and, and you know, sign me and release something. But um, now I'm really glad that I, ha- that I had to do it that way because I feel like it's just given me time to... It's been a very slow build. Yeah, still going. <laughs> so I'm presuming the longer it goes on, being a self-managed artist... Mm-hmm 
the easier it would get with the contacts you've built up over time? I imagine it would have been very difficult initially absolutely. doing it all yourself. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, yeah, in my mind, I, I'm hoping it, at some stage it will get easier. But <laughs> no, no, it, it, you're right. You're absolutely right. It, I, uh, it's at a point now where I suppose I've been doing it long enough that um, that uh, people know me and, and I know m- most, you know, I have, I have reasonably... Um, reasonably good context and I um yeah I know the I know the sort of structure of the industry and how it all works so um but definitely in that early time I was scrambling and I was I had no idea how to do it all I knew that was that I had to do it and that was all I knew so the whole time I was you know calling people and just I cold called a lot of people and um, and a lot of people were very kind and very generous with their time, I think. And, you know, people like Don McGlashan and um, David Long, who helped me a lot with the production of my first album, for no reason, you know. So I feel very, very lucky at that time because I had no track record, no profile. I guess I just knew that I needed to do it. So I don't know. It's a weird, it's a, it's a strange sort of, um, yeah, process really. I don't know. In terms of paying it forward, do yeah. you have any conscious plans to assist the next generation, as it were? Yeah, in that I, way, I think um, I do. I feel I feel quite um, I feel quite strongly about that actually because I um, because it, 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 it's really hard. Like it's a hard. I mean, sorry, everyone. I mean, I know everyone's job and everyone's life is hard, right? But it, but it's hard in that. Um, because the first there's a huge hurdle that you have to get past in the first instance that is you're putting yourself out there, particularly if you're a songwriter, often in a very personal way. And so you have to accept that and then accept that or, or you know, feel okay enough that that you want to somehow release that to the public. And, you know, you go through all these, this whole spiral of things like, who am I to think that I should be able to write a song that anyone should listen to? You know, and, and it's a, it's quite a... To get to a point where you feel confident enough to, even just to call someone in the industry when you're early on, it's a big deal, you know. So I feel like anytime there are people that are, like lots of people do um, reach out to me and I always reply and I always try and help if I can or, you know, in, in whatever way because I know what that feels like. I know what it feels like to write 100 emails and get one reply. Like that's reality, you know. So I feel like... Those people that are reaching out, it's taken them a lot to get to the point of even being able to reach out. So, yes, I really respect people that do. 95% perspiration, I guess. Something like that, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's such a cliche, isn't it? But I feel like it's... So true. It's true, yeah. In any industry. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Absolutely. I think it's time for a bit more music. Yeah, yeah, That would be uh, desirable. Have you got a favourite track, something that you've listened to for years that you love and keep coming back to, or maybe something that's on the... On the stereo at the moment. Yeah, I. Um, it's funny you mentioned earlier we were talking about Fleetwood Mac because I the chain. I'm going to say the chain. It's just a classic. It just starts off with that kick drum and and away it goes. Yeah. I have to ask. Yeah. Um, have you seen uh, online the new the new lineup? Yes, I have. I need to see more of it though. I feel like I just saw. I think the clip that I saw was from the Allen Show, one of those TV shows, and I... It was a very initial outing. It was. I think that might have been Learning. the first one, yeah, and I think... Growing. Exactly, yeah, and I obviously I have no experience at that level, but I 
feel like TV in general, sound on TV and just the whole thing is difficult anyway. So I don't know. I feel like it needs more time. With the exception, and I can say Saturday Night Live, mm-hmm. which for folks in New Zealand, they don't see it that much. Yeah. Nails it. Yeah, I can true. thoroughly recommend if you can see any clips online, yeah, online. of any of the artists, and yeah. they are predominantly pop artists, mm-hmm. and I will skip through 50% of them. Yeah. <laughs> but really check it out. They're, yeah, um, cool. they're nailing it. So, yeah. Fleetwood Mac, yeah, the, the chain. chain. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs>
This is the Garden of Sound interview with Mel Parsons on Plains FM 96.9. Thanks so much for listening to the show today. A couple of notices for you. Coming up on Wednesday, an amazing fundraiser happening for a new youth hub that's going to be built right in the heart of Christchurch. It's going to deliver desperately needed medical, social, mental health support for the region's young people. The show's going to feature Christchurch's very own Julia Deans and Lyndon Puffin and many more performers. The Youth Hub Variety Concert is this Wednesday at 7.30 at the Charles Looney Auditorium. Tickets can be purchased at eventfinder.co.nz or for more information visit the Youth Hub Facebook page which is facebook.com forward slash Youth Hub CHCH. And speaking of youth-related events, tonight at the Papanui Youth Centre, 4YP and the Papanui Youth Development Trust invite you to hear some amazing live music featuring Lotus and Better Than Bacon and a great new band called Exit from Casebrook Intermediate. If you love live music and you want an absolute bargain night out, grab a few of your mates, head to the Papanui Youth Centre at the top of Harewood Road from 7pm tonight. Tickets are only $5 and for more info you can visit facebook.com forward slash P-Y-D-T, that's Papa Yankee Delta Tango dot C-H-C-H. Right, on with the show. This is the Garden of Sound interview with Mel Parsons on Plains FM 96.9. I want to talk about the, the new album. Uh, first of all, Glass Heart. Mm-hmm. Where did the um, the name come from? Uh, well, there's a song on the album called Glass Heart, yes. And what's that about? The sentiment, I think, behind that is the feeling of, it's kind of twofold. There's the, the feeling of of a heart being so fragile that, you know, drop it and it smashes into smithereens basically uh but also the glass side of it being transparent so people when you're in um you know when when you're in a state of sadness or or heartbreak or you know anything kind of on that end of the spectrum the feeling that people can see through you that people can see into you and see that yeah I can thank you for keeping me up last night or actually having I got the lonely in my my dreams. <laughs> um, uh, does Mel Parsons go out to uh, create a Mel Parsons record or consciously when you're thinking, okay, this is my fourth album, I'm going to go and I might try to do something different. Where, where are you at in that creative process? I think for me the the main part is the song. So I don't, um, I don't sit out and think, right, I'm going to – create an album that sounds like this or that that has these kind of songs on it I, I I just I try and make that part really unconscious so I just I write and then I see what comes out and then that dictates where it goes so um yes and and this album in particular the the production is um this production is probably slightly different in that lots of it was very live and um and, and it's probably a bit sort of bigger and darker than than the last, you know, the last couple. But so the decision uh, to use Mitchell Froome, mm-hmm. how did that come about? Well, I, I mean, I was very, very, very. How many varies can I put in here? Uh, very fortunate. To the tenth. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. To, to work with Mitchell Froome, uh, people that aren't familiar uh, with his uh, name would probably know his work from Crowded House and 
Um, Los Lobos. Randy, yeah, Los Lobos, exactly. Randy and even Newman. wrote Tomorrow Never Dies. Yeah, right. Cheryl Crow singing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Wow. He's, he's worked with, you know, he's really worked with the top end of, of, of the music industry. So it was very, um, yeah, very, 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 very lucky. That How he, did that come about? Well, so actually we came through Ron Sexsmith, actually. So the, Ron Sexsmith is a Canadian um songwriter who he's sort of a, he's a bit of a legend a sort of um canadian sort of songwriting hero and he um he actually sang on a track on my last record and he um put me in touch with mitchell and 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 passed on my on the drylands record and mitchell uh i really liked it and and said you know we came to came to work together at some point and yeah and so that was a couple of years ago and we I had a couple of days in the studio with him and at the start of 2017, I think it was, just to sort of, you know, just to meet and feel each other out and see, because see, it's quite a, um, I'm not sure how much time you spend in the studio, but it's a very, um, it's a pretty intimate thing, you know, to be with a producer and, you know, give them all your songs and, 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 and that relationship's quite a, it's a pretty intense one, so it want, you want to... I suppose like anything, you just wanted to have a bit of a trial period. Anyway, so we got on really well and um, decided that we'd we'd make something at some point. But it was only this year, um, in in July, that we finally the stars aligned and we got you know the you know his schedule is is insane really. So just to get this space to get in there, I was very lucky. Where was the album recorded? Uh, it was at his studio in uh, in, in Santa Monica in, in LA. Um, and and it was lucky for me because I was out in the states. Um, yeah, so I was out there for two and a half months on a tour. I had a couple of sessions where I would fly down to LA for pre-production, and then at the very end, uh, at the very end of the tour, so on my way back from Eastern Canada, I yeah finished in LA basically, and and um, yeah we had I think we had twelve days in the studio. And were you testing out new material? Yeah, I was. I was testing out and writing new material at the same time, which is unusual for me because I don't. I'm not. Um, I don't write on the road generally. You, I just you don't have time and you don't. What was different for you? Uh, I had insomnia this time. Yeah, <laughs> so I had extra time in the day, every day, every night. Yeah. No. I. Um. And I think also. Uh, I'm I'm quite a deadline-based person, so once we had the studio locked in, I was like, "Oh my goodness, I've got X number of songs still to write." So, how many yeah. did you uh, have to take to him? I think, by the, for me, songs like I'm, you know, I hear people that say, "Oh, we had, you know, we took 50 songs into the studio and then we whittled that down." I'm like, "Geez, where do you get 50 songs from?" You know, like I, I feel but like, but how good are they at the same time? Well, I mean, I suppose, yeah, that's that's just a different process, I suppose. I think I, um, by the time, if, if I finish a song, generally it's one that will stay. It's not very often that I will finish a song and then be like, oh, no, that's terrible, I'm not going to use that. So, um, I mean, it has happened, of course. But, um, yeah, so I, basically, um, yeah, there's 10 songs on the record and... Um, I was writing the last song in the morning, the last morning going into the studio. So it was very much these other songs, yeah. What did you learn from Mitchell? He's such a master at what he does, really, to watch him. It's, it's hard to describe, you know. You, um, he just has this 
I mean, he's obviously a brilliant musician himself. Like, he's an amazing keyboard player. He played all the keyboards on the album. And he's very generous. It's very understated, some of the organ that very, comes in on that track I was yeah. talking about before. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, just very, very, um, yeah, I mean, clever on all the levels. But he also has a, um, in terms of, of producing, he has this amazing, um, I don't know, he can just, his vision of a soundscape is amazing and he can hear you just hear everything, every instrument, where it needs to be, what needs, what texture we need, what we don't need, you know. So that that side of it was really um, was fascinating, actually, and and um, yeah, I felt felt very um, grateful, I suppose, to have someone. He really got inside the songs, like he spent a lot of time. So we recorded um, in pre-production. We did demos. I mean, I sent him all the original demos, but then. I went into the studio with him and we did uh we demoed them all up together. So he in each song he knew absolutely inside out and just yeah, he really 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 took time on every every part of it. And I think it comes out well it came out certainly in the in the actual tracking process, you know, once there was a band in there you know, it, everything just went so smoothly because of the way that he'd kind of pulled everything apart to begin with. Yeah. Be nice to hear something off the album. Yeah. Is there a particular track that you'd like to to play right now? Yeah, yeah, you sure you can play. Maybe maybe I got the lonely. Yeah.
Heavyweights still there in the morning. 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 Heavyweights still there in the this is the Garden of Sound interview with Mel Parsons on Plains FM 96.9. We've just heard I've Got the Lonely, which yeah. is off your uh, fourth album, mm-hmm. Glass Heart, which is released today, yeah. which is exciting. Are you, um, do you happen to be touring this this album by any chance? I am. I'm so glad you asked. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I will be touring it a lot next year, but we're doing release shows um, Auckland, Wellington and Christchurch. Uh-huh. Uh, next week, actually, we so Christchurch, we play uh, 8th of December at mm-hmm. the LAF in Littleton. The Littleton Arts Factory, yeah, Littleton I Arts believe. Factory, Have you exactly. played there before? I haven't. I haven't, but I've wanted to for a long time because so I've been to a couple of shows there. Very, very cool space, very intimate. Um yeah, so I'm going to have the whole band there, which would be great. Great. What yeah. about the rest of the country? Uh, so then we play um, Auckland uh, Auckland at Anthology Lounge on the 6th of December and Wellington on the 5th of December at, at Meow. But we will be touring. Uh, so then we head up to Australia. We go to play uh, Woodford Folk Festival uh, over a new year and then... Uh, next year I'll be yeah I'll be on back on the on the tour with us. Yeah. Do you have much of a following in Oz? Uh, yeah, getting there actually. I've been touring out there for for quite a few years now, and and I've been lucky that I've got quite a few festivals. And um, yeah, I, I get out there normally a couple of times a year at least. Yeah. What do you want to do with a new album? What's your What's your plan? Where do you want it to go? How long do you want to uh, straight stretch to the this top? Of, straight to the top of the charts. Obviously, we'll see what we can do. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, I. I for me, I mean, my, mainly I'm a touring artist. You know, I'm live as my as my main thing because I'm because I generally don't um, cut through to commercial radio. That's that's not my pathway, so I don't you know really have a lofty goal of that. But I mean, you know, it's just it's just it's got to fit. You know, so um, you don't want to bang your head against the wall for too long, uh, otherwise you knock yourself out. Um, but I think for me, as as long as I can tour it and 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 ideally. Um, you know, ideally the shows get bigger and which, you know, so far gradually they have done. And so just, I mean, it sounds so cliche, I think, when you when you say it. But I feel like if people are coming along and enjoying it and getting something out of the music, then that's really, that's what I, that's the most I can ask for. And that, that's the thing that makes me happy. So, Is there anyone you want to collaborate with or, or work with artist-wise? As I think Mark. To... Yeah, I think Mark. Yep. Definitely, yeah. Yeah, you can see a, see a duets album or something. Yeah, just yeah, some, anything. Just anything. Look, you know, he could maybe play some guitar for me at some point. Three, five years, ten years time. Mm-hmm. What's um, what's on the cards? Is it is it more of the same? Is it more management? Um, I think, yeah, I don't know. I I feel like I want to. I feel like I want to always. I mean, at the at the moment, the way that I feel about music and touring is that I want to I just want to keep touring and I want to keep writing and and being an artist and I feel like I'm lucky in that the style that I um well you know the the box that I fit in or whatever because it's not really hip and cutting edge it doesn't go out of fashion in the way that hip cutting edge stuff does so so touch wood I'll have a sort of a long you know I can keep doing this when I'm old when I'm older um you know I yeah I just want to keep keep performing but I mean 
I suppose as well, if there's a point where I can, um, you know, I, I, I enjoy, I do enjoy management and, and the business side of things as well. So, so probably there'll be a bit of that. It just, yeah, it's hard to know. It's hard to predict sort of where it's going to go. Is there anyone you spotted coming through the ranks that you tell us to keep our eyes on? Well, I mean, Jed Parsons, obviously, but I mean, that's, yeah, probably, he's okay. He's okay. You know, there's a bit of a giveaway there in the name. Um, but, um, yeah, I, I give Jed a bit of a hand, but he's really, he's off on his own um, kind of um, amazing trajectory at the moment, um, which is very cool, very cool to see. And, um, yeah, we'll just see where he goes, but he's pretty committed and he's an amazing musician. You know, he's one of those terribly annoying people that can just play any instrument really well, you know, because he, play, so he plays the drums in my band as well, for example, and you know, he sings killer harmonies and he also writes really, really good songs, which is pretty annoying if I'm honest. Um, but no, he's great. Yeah. Time to get back to, to Mel and mm-hmm. Mel's music. Mm-hmm. Um, is there a track you'd like to take us out with today? Something of yours perhaps? Yeah, I reckon um, Just Because You Don't Want Me. And this is off the new album? It is, yeah. Yeah, this is the second single that came out um, uh, from Glass Heart and it's kind of one of the, the more... Um, yeah, the more kind of upbeat ones, I suppose, yeah. Is there anything in particular that Gardner Sound listeners should be listening out for in the song that you particularly like? Uh, Bridge, yeah. chorus, harmony? Actually, I love the harmonies in the song. And speaking of Jed, Jed actually came up with the harmonies for the song. So Jed and uh, my guitarist, Josh Logan, uh, sing the harmonies in the song. And it's very, it's quite kind of Fleetwood Mac or something. It's just that, yeah, it's very cool, very cool echo kind of scenario. Fantastic. Thank you so much for being on the show. Pleasure. Thanks for having me. Not gonna swallow these tears no more. This time it's really in the door. And you won't ever get me back. Not for love or guilt or care. How many times do we walk? How many stories and you never look back Yeah, you went on first and I came back I was deluded, I was out of my mind And does it make you feel good When you treat me
Time for my track of the week. About a month ago, I featured an up-and-coming artist by the name of Prinz. Well, her first single went gangbusters, and I could tell she was really going places. Produced by Wolfie and released just yesterday, this is the summer tune we all need. For your enjoyment, Prinz, with her new track, Oh Well. There's a sin business It's quite contagious To me it's tasteless And to you that don't say right I fell into your arms You held on tight And I don't want another piece of your mind You should hear a little something of mine Let's not go there, baby Cause honestly And that was Oh Well from Prince. Thanks for joining me on Gardener Sound today. My guest 
was Mel Parsons. Her fourth studio album, Glass Heart, is out today. You can buy and stream it on all good music platforms. You can see Mel live across the country next week in Wellington at Meow on Wednesday, Auckland at Anthology Lounge on Thursday, and the Littleton Arts Factory on Saturday. You can get all the links you need to buy the album and book tickets by clicking on Mel's photo on the front page of the Garden of Sound website. From there, you can listen to all the tracks we talked about today on her bespoke Spotify playlist. And while I'm at it, Garden of Sound's now available on Spotify, so just search for Garden of Sound. Next week on the show, James Meharry. Some of you might know him as Pylons, He's also been working tirelessly to support a rich and diverse music scene, not just here in Christchurch, but all over New Zealand. So make sure you're around for that. I'm Ian Turner. Thanks for joining me today on the show. Brought to you with thanks to 4YP. You can find out more about their work at 4YP.org. I hope you've enjoyed yourself. I'd love to have you back same time next week for Garden of Sound. Hey there, da.